Hello, everybody. Happy Spawn Daily. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. That's right. We're continuing third day in a row, third day of the new year. Happy January 3rd, everybody. Uh, and we're rolling right along with our Spawn Daily. Haven't missed a day yet. wonder how long we're going to be able to keep saying that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but three days in, uh, the year of the Spawn, uh, as we've said, and as our graphic shows you there, uh, a day without Spawn is like a day without sunshine. So just like Spawn is shining down like the sun in our graphic, uh, we're going to shower you with Spawn uh, every day of, of the year. And, and the hopes being that we get caught up to, to you know, all the way up to the uh, modern issues and talk a little Spawn universe, King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, Scorched. Uh, and hopefully have Todd on at some point. Hopefully, uh, you know, he's in, is a 30th anniversary of Spawn. He's announced that it's a big year for Spawn. Hopefully that means the movie production is going to get underway. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But there's going to be a lot of Spawn content coming for the 30th anniversary. Have no doubt. And we hope to be a part of it by yeah. uh, reading reading every issue of, of Spawn. So uh, if you're wondering why we're already on issue 15 here on day three, we did do 12 days of Spawn Miss and covered the first year, first 12 issues anyway of Spawn leading up to Christmas. And uh, Rocky and I both felt they, they held up relatively well, uh, especially when you consider they're a little bit of their time in that comics back in the 90s were a lot more expositional than they are now. Um, now it's a trap that Todd McFarlane himself as a writer falls into a lot of times being a little overly expositional, but you know, the guy made his name as an artist, not necessarily a writer. So we'll see if that gets better as, uh, as it marches along, but we did, uh, cover the, the first part of a two part story, uh, with the violator fighting medieval spawn. So we're going to uh, finish that off with, uh, with spawn number 15 today. Uh, as we roll on. And before we dive into that, um, I'll throw it over to you, Rocky. Uh, how are you feeling so far about Spawn Daily? Uh, are you excited to go on this journey? Well, uh, yeah, I am. I, I, I do. Look, I, I've always been... Spawn is one of those things where I lost interest in Spawn after like the 12th or 13th issue. And, uh, you know, for the last 30 years, I openly admit that I wasn't really much of a follower of Spawn. I, I thought, you know, uh, for, there, there's a reason, guys. There's a reason why all those spawn issues from issues, whatever, 75 to 275 are worth money because they had low sales. Spawn didn't have a lot of high sales because, it was, you know, but but what it had was endurance and it had it, had, it was intellectual property that uh, Todd McFarlane loved and he cherished and he nurtured and he got different artists on it. He got different writers on it over the past 30 years. It wasn't just himself. He wasn't, while he might have, he, he loved his own character, obviously, uh, uh, but he, he had no problem sharing it. And he's, he's op Todd McFarlane himself has openly admitted that other writers have written Spawn better than he did, that have drawn Spawn better than he had, particularly Greg Capullo. Uh, and he, he, ch he cherishes that. He loves that. And by doing that, by, by, you know, great characters are characters that other people want to write and other people want to draw. And that's contributed to the Spawn mythology over the last 30 years. So I would be lying if I said I'm not, there's a reason why, look, I'm not insane. Part of me is insane for, I mean, good Lord, I'm going to be reviewing an issue of Spawn with you every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit off my rocker. I mean, we both are. Come on. But there's a reason that I, I want to. It's because I it's Spawn. If this was any other character, I wouldn't know. But it's Spawn. And part of me, I want to see what all the hoopla is. I want to see how this character has evolved over the years. And we talked earlier about how... McFarlane with his pop culture references. You can tell this was in the early 90s, 1992 when it debuted, 2022. It's a 30th anniversary. 
it's going to be interesting to see how the writing does evolve through the different writers. We've already seen a handful of different writers, from Alan Moore to Dave Sim. Um, and I, I, I know I forgot a couple there. But we, we're, we're getting a bunch. We're going to be... This character is going to be evolving, and there's a reason why it's a popular character now. It's not just because of comic book speculation. Uh, there's supposed to be a big movie coming out. We talked about that sort of uh, off off podcast, and you know, I, you know, I'm I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to know where this where this storyline goes, and just to see if this if this. I want to see if all this hoopla is warranted. Uh, I'm probably going to be a little bit tired at times when we do podcasts on, on Spawn if we're going to be doing like 300 in a row, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've been, uh, if we can do 15 or 16 issues of DC Comics every week, we can sure as heck uh, give some dedication to Spawn. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. I mean, yeah, the fact of the matter is that this is the this broke the record, right? The longest running creator known series of all time. That's and, right. And yeah. yeah you, you give Todd a lot of credit for keeping it going, even when maybe the sales didn't warrant it. And if maybe if he didn't have his toys and his other ventures to keep it going, maybe it would have ended. Uh, but he always, he's always had a, a, a dedicated core fan base. I think that have been reading spawn and enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, three decades, 30 years of spawn. It's, it's crazy. I don't, I can't think of any other property that's been around that long that I, in in the superhero genre, that I haven't, that I have so little knowledge of. The fact that Todd McFarlane is a legend in our industry, the fact that Spawn's been around for 30 years, and I did collect it, you know, for the first couple of years and then fell off and never read any of it. Like, it's kind of crazy to me. And so I feel like it's definitely a hole in my, my comic book knowledge. And we're going to remedy that this year with year of the spawn. So uh, let's dive into issue 15, Rocky. Um, we get a massive info dump right on the, that first, uh, that first page. So uh, give us a recap. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, again, uh, Todd McFarlane and his info dumps and, you know, in this, and this opening page of issue of issue 15, the info dump is interesting because the info dump could actually have take, could actually literally be cut and pasted. This could have been an info dump at the beginning of the previous issue. Because it yep. tells us, it literally tells us nothing new. But it would have been nice to know sort of the, a review of the summary of what of of what the Violator's history is. Because you know, I got to admit, I was it wasn't entirely clear to me what the Violator's punishment was in the earlier issues. But this opening page actually clarifies it that the Violator, you know, Violator was this, of course, a, another servant of uh, uh, another servant Malbrosia. What? Ma yeah, servant of Malabogia. Yeah, Malabogia. You know, I always got to write that down. But uh, but he's a servant. But because he he failed to take out. I mean, uh, he, he was given the uh, he was given the per he was given the mission of, of basically killing Spawn or in the early issues, and he failed because he tries to take out all these mobsters, and he, he's figuring his idea, his master plan. Like Malab, you know, Violator is an idiot. He really is an idiot, and he's referred yeah, to as an idiot by. by <laughs> The devil thinks he's, or Melabrosia thinks he's an idiot too. He's not smart. His idea is to, you know, kill all the mobsters to attract Spawn. And all he did was he actually decreased the crime rate, rate by scaring everybody in the city. Everybody stayed home. And he, he, he ended up pissing off. He did ultimately get, you know, Spawn never got blamed for it anyway. And he, and he pissed off his, ma you know, he pissed off Malabrosia. And so he's punished by putting in this fat diminutive frame where he's like three, he's like three feet, 10 inches high. He looks ridiculous. He looks disgusting. And he's basically relegated uh, in the, 
in the last issue of telling telling stories to brag up to prop up his ego to a bunch of children that he's got to pay to listen to him. I mean, this guy's pathetic. <laughs> and this issue, it continues the story. And last issue ended where he's telling the story and he's completely lying about it. He's t- telling the story about when he as the violator took on medieval spawn. And he describes himself in the previous issue or uh, as being the hero of the story when, of course, he's he's the villain. And he was, of course, a very unreliable narrator. We talked last, we, we talked when we reviewed issue 14, how uh, Todd McFarlane, you know, is good at telling a story with his art, but he just doesn't tend to, he, he tends to over ex, he tends to overuse exposition despite the fact that he doesn't have to. Well, it actually works here to some effect because the art continues to convey the story that, that, that medieval spawn is the hero in the story in the art, but in the story as it's told by the violator, medieval spawn is the villain. And his attempts, uh, you know, there's there's this evil witch that he has to kill as well, along with medieval spawn. But of course, it's really a beautiful damsel in distress that 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 is is the is the princess, and and medieval spawn is is the is the is actually the the gallant prince of the story. It should be noted that these these two issues are called myths. Myths. That's the that's the story arc. Myths, and because this is really a myth, you know, it's often said that the victors of any the victors always get to tell the story, and of course, here we have you know part of the mystery in the first issue. Part of me was thinking, well, Violator is the one telling the story, and so, um, you know, you you have to survive to tell the story, and survivors generally get to tell whatever story they want because there's no one that's going to contradict them here, <laughs> and the only thing contradicting Violator's story is the art, <laughs> the, the gorgeous art of Todd McFarlane. And, but in any event, moving forward, the, the, the story itself actually moves forward uh, uh, at a quick pace. Uh, it, last issue ended with Violator using his, you know, some, his energy, an energy blast, and he literally fries Spawn in his armor, only to discover in this issue that medieval Spawn very wisely teleported out of his armor and it was a great uh it was a great sort of strategy on the part of medieval spawn because he disappeared out of his armor and then he reappears without his armor and he basically basically and I'm oversimplifying he he hacks he he hacks violator to pieces with his sword and it's a long protracted battle scene and there's there's a you know it's exposition heavy totally unnecessary on the exposition all the exposition establishes is the is the fact that uh, is how angry medieval spawn is and how and how of course how the violator in in telling this this story is making it look as if he's he performed better in the battle than he actually did all the all the great moves that medieval spawn did he takes credit for in the in, as he tells the story to the children and. But you know, the, uh, not to interrupt, Rocky, but here's something that just kind of struck me as we're we're talking about this, and mm-hmm. the fact that it's we could say it's an it's alternate truth or it's fake news to borrow some current <laughs> yeah. terms, and in a lot of ways, what we're seeing here with this story is kind of similar to what we saw in Strange Adventures, where what the <laughs> words say don't uh, they're not that's not reflected in the actual pictures. And it's kind of interesting, you know, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not giving Todd any credit for, you know, predicting the future and Todd wouldn't take that credit anyway. But it is kind of funny how it all comes back around when you think about it. 
no, it, that, that, that's entirely true. And, 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 and even with the pop culture references in the earlier issue, it, it, it feels, even though this is a, this comic book is 30 years old already, but with the pop culture references, I still remember Beavis and Butthead. I still remember Schwarzenegger, yeah. uh, Stallone, Van Damme, which are referenced in the previous issue, Van Damme referenced in the previous issue. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it maybe it's just because we're older readers, so we, <laughs> but we can't help that. But you know, it is rather interesting that even thirty years later, you know, Beavis and Butthead has made somewhat of a comeback in some circles. And uh, who doesn't? I mean, Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and Stallone are still—they're not completely oh, off wow. their game yet. <laughs> yeah. But in any event, there, there's a the, there is a tragedy here because while Spawn defeats the Violator rather handily. Uh, it's a it's a pyrrhic it's a it's a uh, pyrrhic victory for medieval spawn because this beautiful damsel in distress, this beautiful princess of this this very in one ways this is a very tropey tale of this powerful medieval spawn sort of prince who never shows his face rescues the damsel in distress. Unfortunately, by teleporting out of his armor, the uh, spawn reveals his true body form, his his true self. And of course, he's burnt, and he's he looks his entire body is burnt. He looks disgusting, <laughs> and the only thing that looks more disgusting than medieval Spawn without his armor is the Violator. He kills the Violator, hacks him to pieces, and so you have this disgusting look in medieval Spawn with because he doesn't have his armor, and you have and he he rescues this the damsel, the, the princess, but she sees his true face, and unfortunately. Uh, Almost like it's the opposite of Beauty and the Beast. This particular beauty <laughs> did not appreciate the Beast. She shuns Spawn and is afraid of him. And Spawn loses his love, or pardon me, medieval Spawn loses his, his love. And he he always and he loved this woman. And there's a there's a sense of tragedy to this story. And and the irony here is, in a sense, even though Violator tells. The, the children about this battle that he lost, the devil Malabrosia actually compliments and and gives Violator a compliment because he managed to accomplish something in his defeat because he had he made it un however unintentional it was for the Violator to do this <laughs> that the that spawn uh, medieval spawn lost his true love lost his love and so the Violator. Yeah, yeah, Malabolja gives him credit for two things. He says you've done an admirable, admirable job of, of having the new spawn prove that he has the potential to be a fine officer in my army for the battle against heaven. Right. And you've also destroyed the only thing that he held dear, another's another human being actually loving him. And and we see medieval spawn is actually crying as the woman runs yeah. away. Um, and he says, you know, please don't do this. I beg you. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's crying like here's this, yeah. you know, heroic figure, this this ultra powerful spawn character. And he's he's crying because he's lost his own. Although I you kind of wonder, like, how much of a relationship could they have had, at least physically, almost none. You would think if he never, you know, could take off his armor, she'd never seen him outside his armor. Um, and obviously there's more to a relationship than physical. But I mean, yeah. that's a part of it. That's a yeah. part of it. But you got to wonder, though, that he. Part of me, I would think he'd have the power to transform himself into into a person, 
Like, uh, I, mean, right. I, I mean, even even Al Simmons can Al Simmons transforms himself into a human, but if it's it's not the same human. He, he comes back as a white man when he does that. But I'm wondering, Medieval Spawn probably wasn't even thinking, though. He probably could have had Medieval Spawn knew, known that his 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 woman would reject him so fantastically. He probably would have engaged in a little bit of deception and used some of his power to cloaked the way that he looked but he didn't do that yeah, one thing i one thing i wonder about is that just an illusion like like so you appear to be normal but if she actually touches your skin if it is are you all you know hamburgered out yeah i, I, I wonder that and the other thing is that um when it's a great double page spread when we finally see medieval spawn outside of his armor for the first time he doesn't look you know obviously he looks horrific but he looks different than than al simmons does uh especially he has like some some flesh like melted over his his mouth uh, that we see later on when he's yelling. You can kind of see the the skin stretch out and, and that sort of thing. So he does look horrific, and there are similarities in terms of you know there's no hair and and looks burnt and uh, yeah. the green eyes or whatnot. But it it is of note. It is something I noticed that hey, not all hell spawns look the same. Um, and the other thing I noticed yeah. is you know. Again, illustrating the point that nothing the violator says is true. He talked. He talked last last issue about this wart covered witch, and uh, <laughs> I think that the the princess that McFarlane draws in this story is maybe the most beautiful woman in terms of of the way uh, Todd presents her. You know, in this very regal manner with the, what she's wearing, and there's no wart. She's smooth, smooth. She's smooth. <laughs> so, kind of funny. Yeah. No. Yeah. It. Like I said, all, all to underscore the, the the tragedy of it all. Uh, and I, there's there's a, there's another portion of this that I find quite comical too. That leave it to the violator to as he's telling the story to the children. He made another passing reference. The violator takes credit for introducing dragons to human lore. Because in one scene, of course, he's the, as the violator. He looks like a dragon. He portrays himself like a like a like a like a dragon with green skin, and I, I thought it was uh, quite funny because um, I'm trying to find the page here, but he actually he actually looks like a dragon, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, again now. You got to know that the violator is probably lying. He's probably not the first hell spawn to ever portray or look like what we think of as dragons. But I just I just love this because the violator is such a spectacularly powerful liar that you can actually. It's almost like listening to bizarre a, a more clear version of Bizarro speak in the DC universe because you can literally listen to the violator and everything that comes out of his mouth you simply have to take the opposite of it and you'll understand exactly what the truth is yep <laughs> but yeah my uh, legacy my legacy endures I was the first dragon <laughs> yeah right he's like they didn't get the color right I wasn't green but yeah, yeah the ego the ego on the guy right like next to his idiocy and his uh just propensity to lie yeah, uh, his ego is, is right up there as a, another aspect of his personality. And just the final thing, and, and and I sound like a broken record saying this because in every single issue, there's an example of Todd of Todd McFarlane's lack of subtlety. You you mentioned before that the, the tears uh, of Medieval Spawn is he's crying as as his this woman that he loves is leaving him because he's so disgusting and he's got a burnt body and she's just rejecting him because she thinks she, she thinks he's a, a horrible thing. Uh, 
the tears literally come down the page. You got two. Yeah. You got the green eyes of Spawn on top of the page, and he and he says in in, in the word balloon, "I beg you," you know, beg, begging her to come back. And the tears literally drip down the entire page, like past the halfway mark of the page. You know, Todd McFarlane is making it very very clear to the reader that this is a tragic tale. Uh, again, almost almost overdone, but not but not overdone. He makes his point. Uh, but again, he's, he rams the point home. He, he tells you what the emotions are in the exposition. He tells you what the emotions are in, in the art. He doesn't have to do both, but he does. And, uh, again, it's, you know, we definitely know the story. I mean, it, it's, there's not a lot to figure out here. He basically, he spells it out for us in more ways than one. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's it's, not a lot of not a lot of subtlety, and yeah. even when you stop, if you stop to think about it, yes, very tragic for medieval Spawn. Uh, but you again, you wonder, especially because their relationship, <laughs> the fact that he he medieval Spawn had never been out of the armor, so you know how strong was the relationship anyway? Must have been one of very much a mutual attraction in terms cool. of personality and intellect. But how strong was the relationship really? If it was only skin deep for the princess, right? Because as soon as she yeah. sees it medieval spawn looks horrific she completely rejects him so he might be better off <laughs> in the long run poor, yeah. poor guy and, and the other way to look at it is is compare this sort this damsel in distress with wanda you know this this sets this sets medieval spawn apart from modern day spawn al simmons whose wife wanda is the total opposite of this princess this damsel in distress from medieval swan al simmons this sort of it's another very unsubtle way of saying how much better and how extraordinary Wanda is as the uh, as the former wife of Al Simmons, uh, because she's just so you know she loves him and everything else. But at the same time, it sort of makes you wonder: Will Wanda, when she, if and when, at some point in the future, I'm guessing, will Wanda discover what happened to Al? That he will Wanda do reject Al when she sees that he's actually the spawn and has a burnt, disgusting body. Will she act the same way as this damsel in distress as the princess in this story? Will it be another future myth, myth, mythical tale that will be retold and <laughs> incorrectly by the violator 800 years from now? I mean, these are the questions that I'm like wondering, like, Oh, you know, is Wanda going to be the same way? You know, Wanda is this great woman. Yes. But, how is she? How is she actually going to feel when she sees Al Simmons for the first time? You know, the, you know that's what I'm thinking now. And I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if that happens in the future issues. But this is what I'm thinking because I've not read the future issues. So all these questions going yeah, through my good, head. Yeah, it's a good point. I think from what we know of Wanda, you would say no, she wouldn't reject him. She might be shocked, yeah. and then you know, a little <laughs> horrified, taken aback, and probably really sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's the way McFarlane's presented her as this very heroic person and, and not even just the way he's presented her, but we know so much of this is autobiographical. I mean, obviously Todd McFarlane wasn't killed and gained superpowers from hell, but there's a lot of, of Todd McFarlane and Al Simmons, right? At the beginning of last issue, we had the whole baseball thing. For those that aren't aware, Todd McFarlane was at one point a minor league baseball player, um, but knew he wasn't going to advance very far. He just couldn't hit <laughs> much like myself. I, I love baseball too. I think Todd and I are cut of the same cloth. Great. Could run real fast, steal a base, very good defensively. Just bat wasn't there. Um, but there's a lot of autobiographical stuff. And we saw that when we had the issue 
that uh, God, who who did the was it uh, Al? No, it wasn't Alan Moore. Was it the Alan Moore issue or the for for, for with what for for uh, the not spawn? Who did the not spawn issue? Who wrote uh, the? I think that was Alan Moore. Yeah. No, Alan Moore. I think Alan Moore. Well, no, that the, was Dave Sim. Right, because it was. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Dave. When, Dave Sim. When Dave Sim did that one, and we got the not spawn, who really was Todd McFarlane in the spawn costume, and yeah. got to go meet his daughter. And uh, so again, there's there are, are autobiographical, um, and and it's great. Obviously, Todd McFarlane loves his wife. He's been with mm-hmm. her for decades. Wanda yeah. is her name. No coincidence, yeah. right? So, yeah. some interesting uh, aspect uh, and- there. So. Yeah, go ahead. A little bit yeah. more to this. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's just a little bit more to finish the story up. That, I mean, and so that's that's how the the medieval spawn story sort of ends with tragedy. He defeats medieval spawn, defeats the violator, but loses the the love of his life, <clears throat> or afterlife, as I guess you could come and think of it as. And then it ends with uh, Terry Fitzgerald, the the new husband and former best friend uh, and previous uh, friend of Al Simmons, who's now married to Wanda. Uh, he's he's on a phone call and. You know he's gay. He continues to get threats uh, from the organization of Jason Wynn. Jason Wynn, you know, knows that uh, or th- they're fearful that uh, Terry uh, Fitzgerald might say something or know something about what what really happened to Al Simmons uh, regarding his death, that he was actually killed by Chap- Chapel and what have you. All those secrets, and so. Terry Fitzgerald is a little bit worried, and meanwhile, of course, uh, you got the beautiful uh, Wanda Blake. There's, you know, sleeping with her head on the pillow. You know, none the wiser. But uh, it should be noted that Wanda Blake herself has been having dreams of Al Simmons as well, uh, and so everything is building to a head here. So you know, I gotta, I gotta, if if I'm using modern day storytelling sensibilities here, I would say this is probably exposition heavy, unnecessarily so. But the story is good and, and compelling and it's keeping me intrigued and it's easy to follow and uh, the characters are well-defined. And so I think uh, like I'm entertained, like I'm not I'm not doing this every issue that I'm reading a spawn so far. I'm not doing this reluctantly. Like I'm actually this is actually good reading. I'm, I'm enjoying this so far and I hope I hope this remains the case as we move forward. Yeah, I agree. I'm enjoying it as well. Uh, yeah. Is it a little over the top? Yes. Does it lack subtlety at times? Very much so. Uh, if this was you know, done today, even by McFarlane, I think a, a lot of these mistakes wouldn't be, wouldn't be repeated uh, because Todd is a, a wiser and better creator now than he was. Uh, but also comics have changed. Their aesthetic has changed. Comics were a lot more expositional back in the 90s. And we, we have said this is a little bit of its time. Um, but that being said, this goes, you know, this this is probably on the extreme of expositional. But again, if, if this were rebooted today and redone or, or were being released today for the first time, I don't think it's it's quite the same uh, level of, of exposition. So uh, again, it's just, it's it's of its time, but the story, the bones of the story are good. They're interesting. It has us intrigued when we're wondering things. Well, yeah, we see this story of this tragic tale uh, told sort of backwards or in a bizarro-like way by by Violator. Uh, but even this story of tragedy raises more questions uh, about Al Simmons. Like uh, Rocky was saying, what happens when Wanda sees Al for the first time, uh, you know, out of his costume, his armor, so to speak? Uh, you know, what were what will her reaction be? So there are sort of some built-in mysteries uh, 
and, and again, I, I am very, this goes beyond just, Hey, I've never read spawn. I, I feel like I need to read it. Like I'm, I'm engaged. I'm interested. It's pulling me in. Uh, and the last thing that I'll mention about it. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you'll, you'll see it there, uh, in the bottom right hand corner uh, of the page Rocky has up next issue, Grant Morrison and Greg Capullo. So, uh, <laughs> we don't go too many issues. I think, uh, issue 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, we had Todd back, uh, handling the writing chores, but you know, only if only what five, six issues before he turns the writing, uh, duties over to, to another very legendary, well-known writer, Grant Morrison and Greg Capullo, who many people, uh, their first exposure to Greg Capullo art was on spawn. And it's sort of where Capullo made his, uh, his name as a, as an artist. He, he had done a lot of work for Marvel and, and other, uh, other characters. I, he had a long run on Quasar where I first encountered his art and thought he was an okay artist, but, uh, and we'll talk about it when we talk about issue 16. Uh, it's a little hard almost to differentiate the fact that this is Greg Capullo art as opposed to Todd McFarlane art. There are differences. And again, we'll talk about it when we get to, to issue 16, but, but it's very interesting. It wouldn't like if somebody showed me and I wasn't aware that, you know, Greg Capullo had done Spawn, but if sh somebody showed me maybe some select panels from issue 16 right. and said, whose art is this? I don't know that I would be able to identify it as Capullo based on what his art looks like now. So it's 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 very interesting. And, and Spawn is definitely what made Greg Capullo a hot artist and put him on the, was the, the wizard top 10 artist every month. He was, he was always there. It was Spawn. It was Spawn that put him on the map. Uh, and so- you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how early on in the run that Capullo became involved. I mean, this is only issue 16. We're less yeah. than two years in. And just, to give, and just to give a modern day reference and a, and a shout out to Greg uh, Capullo is, you know, one of the reasons why I think his his art, why, why his art works so well with Scott Snyder. Uh, because he, you know, drawing, uh, you know, Snyder was always good at doing darker stories. Of course, we reviewed Scott Snyder's comicsology, stories of Clear and uh, Night of the Ghoul. And look at look at the death metal. Look at metal and death metal for DC. Uh, very darker tales. Perfectly suited to Greg Capullo's art. I mean, the Batman run, of course, Court of Owls. Greg Capullo, I mean, went on to become legendary. This is 30 years ago. <laughs> Greg Capullo. I mean, you want to talk about paying your dues i mean greg capullo yeah he he's a he's an a-lister now but this guy back in the day i mean uh you know he's, he's paid his dues this is a 30-year career this guy's been in the industry a long time and he, he's earned his success and it's really interesting it's going to be really interesting to see and look with a more you know with a more i guess uh dare i say an adult uh more uh more i guess uh disconcerting eye or, or detailed eye now as a as, as a reviewer just reviewing his art to see how much it's evolved because he's certainly one of the more prominent artists in in today's uh in today's world comic industry yeah and and i i would say that you know newer comic comic readers re, comic readers uh people who've come to comics in the last decade are going to know greg's worth work mostly from batman or those events uh at dc that he's done with scott snyder like you said um but he's also done two issues soon to be three issues of we have demons, you know, speaking of comiXology originals with uh best from best jacket press with, uh, with Scott. So yeah. I can't wait to see, cause again, getting that start on spawn, the, the, the series that sort of put him on the map, 
that was darker, that didn't have, you know, the didn't worry so much about blood and gore and violence and what have you. That's we have demons, right? They they get to cut loose and do whatever the hell they want, and it's been fantastic so far. So it's going to be great comparing what we've got from the from uh, from Greg artistically on We Have Demons is current versus hey let's let's turn the clock back thirty years, twenty nine years, whatever it is, to when he first got started on Spawn. And you know, again, I I don't know that I would recognize it looking at those issues of We Have Demons, and then looking at you know, issue 16 of Spawn, would I be able to tell that it was Greg or not? So, but we'll talk about that next issue and, and I'm, I'm excited to do so. And even though I'm not the biggest Grant Morrison fan, as longtime listeners of the podcast will know, uh, I'm curious to see his take on Spawn. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I am too. And, and again, I mean, how many, you know, the next issue will be the 16th issue. Even, even in today's comic book world, good Lord to have, Todd McFarlane had some, he's had a lot of, he had, that's five A-listers he had on his yep. title in 16 issues. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, okay, now granted back in the day, maybe they weren't as A-list back then, but I mean, they, they weren't bad. Graham Morrison, Alan bad. Moore, Dave Sim, yeah. these, I mean, Dave Sim has the second longest running independent title uh, yep. and he had it up until Spawn dethroned him with his uh, service. So, I mean, good Lord, there's a, it's amazing how this all comes together, you know, and, you know, it's almost like every, every great artist, every great creator, you know, to, to use that term, to use that phrase by, by Einstein, you know, I was built on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's, I can't, but we can. And it's amazing. You know, all these collaborations, how all these care, all these writers and artists, you know, they, you know, their collaborations build on each other and, and they help each other build careers. And so it's, it's interesting. And it's, one of the things I love about reviewing, engaging in this with you with this uh, Spawn Daily is that we get to we get to see this, we get to see that growth and sort of look back and say, ah, this, I can see this. And you can kind of connect the dots historically because I'm a student of history and I love that. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see. It's nice to see people being rewarded for hard work over, the, over a lifetime of hard work in the industry. Yeah, you can never say that Todd doesn't doesn't hustle. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah, and the other aspect is, you know, even though he's had these these A listers come in and handle the writing chores, this is the first time issue sixteen will be the first time he's got someone else drawing it, um, which I find very interesting as well. But when you talk about who he who he's had so far, right, in, including Morrison, who I think does the next two issues, you know, Alan Moore, followed by. Uh, Neil Gaiman, followed by Dave Sim, followed by Frank Miller. Uh, it And then, you know, a few issues, five issues later, or what have you, six issues later, Grant Morrison. It really also goes to show how amazing what the Image Guys did was. Like, they jumped ship from Marvel, and Todd still had the clout to get those five guys to write his book. Like, amazing, amazing accomplishment. So... <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, we still, I still, I was thinking about earlier today, still would love to have Todd on to talk about how much input did he have into what these guys wrote, right? Like Neil Gaiman creating Angela, creating uh, Medieval Spawn, Dave Sim going absolutely no subtlety whatsoever in uh, criticizing the comic industry for taking advantage of creators, whatever the hell Grant Morrison's going to do. Uh, I haven't read the next two issues yet. I, I flipped through 16. I haven't actually read it yet. So, so we'll see, but yeah, how much did he know what they were going to write or how much, you know, did he have an outline? Like, I'm, I'm so curious. So hope, hopefully we'll get Todd on 
So I would love to have them come on like once a month, like every 30 issues or so and talk about, you know, that can you, can you define these 30 issues in terms of, you know, that that's about a three year period of spawn, you know, what, what was it like during this era, you know? So, but again, I, I've reached out, haven't heard back. Um, but we'll see, we'd love to have Todd come on and, and talk about the, the books and, and certain errors of, and ask him questions and whatnot. So, uh, hopefully it happens everybody. And, uh, if you want it to happen, reach out to him on social media and, and let him know, tell him you want him on spawn daily. Uh, we'd really <laughs> appreciate this, the support. So, uh, anything else to add about this issue, Rocky? Uh, no, I just, uh, it's, it was aptly named part two of myths. It was called myths and it was a, it's the story told by a very unreliable narrator and actually well told, very well told by the unreliable narrator. Cause we, we understood exactly what was going on. <laughs> yep. It was the exact opposite of what he was saying. Yeah. So, uh, all right, everybody, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends to check out spawn daily. If you've always been curious about spawn. Join us. Join us on the journey. We, uh, we very much uh, like to hear from you uh, along the way. So don't forget to head over to YouTube. Do uh, a search for Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point. That's Rocky's channel. Be sure you subscribe. Ring the notification bell. That way you know when new content is coming out, Spawn Daily and otherwise, because Rocky puts out other content as well, like our DC Spotlight and his reviews and, and whatnot. So uh, like this video, which also helps uh, our reach. Uh, if you are just joining us for the audio portion only, be sure you go to your favorite uh, podcasting app or platform and uh, subscribe to the comic source there so you don't miss any of the other audio only content. So we really appreciate the support as always, everybody. And we'll see you for more Spawn Daily tomorrow. We certainly will. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.